the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One of the foundational doctrines of the Christian church is something called the Trinity. Do you know exactly what that means? Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. You see, we were alienated from God by sin, and we needed someone to bring us back together with God, to bring us to God. We needed a mediator. Welcome back to another edition of Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. And he's talking about the doctrines of the church all this week. So glad you could join us. We're on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And the church is located in San Bruno. We begin today's broadcast with a continuation of that thought that uh, those of us here on earth need an arbiter, an effective advocate between us and God. And they had to represent us to God and they needed to represent God to us. And there's only one person who has perfectly fulfilled that requirement. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. In order to perfectly fulfill this role, Jesus had to be fully God and fully man. Fully God, fully man. Let's look at Christ's deity and then Christ's humanity. Clearly, Scripture tells us that Jesus was God. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 1, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And you know, only someone infinite like God could bear the full penalty of all of the sins of all of the people who have ever lived. Any finite creature would have been incapable of bearing such a penalty. Jesus was fully God. And the Bible also tells us he was also fully human. One of the favorite passages that we have as a church in describing this is found in John's Gospel, chapter 1, where it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
And the Bible teaches us that Jesus had a real body just like other humans do. He was born the same way that other humans are. He grew from childhood into adulthood just as other people do. Luke 2.40 says, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then in Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Scriptures tell us he was tired, he slept, he got hungry, he got thirsty. You see, again, without being fully human, he could not pay the price for human sin. He needed to be divine in order to have the power to save us, but he also needed to be human in order to adequately represent us. He had to be both divine and human. Hebrews 2 says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who've lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. It was necessary for him to be made in every respect, like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. You know, when John wrote his first epistle, there was a heretical teaching that was circulating to the effect that uh, Jesus was not a man. Isn't it interesting, one of the first uh, heresies about Jesus was that he was God and not a man. And uh, that uh, was later called doceticism. And uh, this was a serious uh, heretical teaching, uh, so much so that John wrote, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit which does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. What John, the apostle, was saying is if they don't say that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that's from the Antichrist. And you'll notice, has come in the flesh. He came in the flesh, God incarnate, has come. He came from heaven. Not born in the flesh, not conceived in the flesh. He's come from heaven. He's God come in the flesh. Now, not only was Jesus unique in that regard, but he was also unique in another regard, and that is that he was sinless. Completely, totally sinless. The only one who has ever been sinless. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.22, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. In Hebrews 4.15, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. We get some insights when we... Look at the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. It says in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus was led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And scholars have observed that there are many parallels or similarities between this testing of Jesus and the testing of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But in Jesus' case, it was a lot more difficult. In Adam Adam and Eve's case, they had fellowship with God, and they had each other, and they had an abundance of food. There was only one tree they weren't supposed to eat of. And in the case of Jesus, he didn't have any fellowship. And he fasted for 40 days, and he was very, very hungry. And this came down to 
making a decision if they were going to be obedient to the clear command of God. In the Old Testament, uh, God clearly told Adam and Eve not to eat of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus was led by the Spirit to be in a fast, and he wasn't going to discontinue that fast until it became clear that that fast was to end. Now, it would have been an easy shortcut for Jesus to listen to the temptations, the recommendations of Satan, and use his divine power to turn rocks into loaves of bread. That would have been no significant challenge for God, and it would have ended his hunger and discomfort. But then he could not have been a role model for us because we don't have such power or such authority. Jesus refused to rely on his divine nature to make things easier for him. He met every temptation to sin, not in his divine power, but in his human power alone, in his human nature alone. And I think this is really important for us to understand because I think some of us project Superman on Jesus. We think of Superman, we think of Clark Kent, right? Clark's walking down the street, a bully comes up, pulls the gun, pulls the trigger, says, oh no, Clark is going to get shot. And then we realize that under the glasses and under the suit is Superman. And the bullets are just going to dance right off. They're not going to have any effect on them. And we look at Jesus and we say, under that humanity is God, and those temptations are just going to bounce right off of him. But the Bible tells us that he was tempted in every way just as we are. And yet was without sin. He dealt with temptation the same way you and I do. He withstood temptation by putting his faith in the word of God and choosing to be obedient. Jesus was sinless. According to a Barna research study that I remember reading some time ago, 61%, 61%, more than, more than almost two-thirds, of people who identify themselves as born-again Christians do not believe that Jesus was sinless. Can you believe that? Almost two-thirds of people who call themselves Christians do not believe that Jesus was sinless. You know, that, if you think about it, it doesn't even make sense. Because if Jesus was not sinless, that would make him a sinner. And if he was a sinner, then he would need a Savior. And if he needed a Savior, then he could not possibly be the Savior. I mean, if you just connect the dots, it doesn't make sense. And the Scriptures tell us very plainly that indeed he was sinless. Now, the penalty for sin is death, not only physical death, but also spiritual death, which is separation from God. And the penalty that we owe because of our sin was paid by Christ through his death on the cross. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The acceptable sacrifice had to be perfect, it had to be complete, it had to be without fault, and Jesus Christ was the perfect man who gave himself in our place, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Only Christ's sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his bodily resurrection can bring us to God. The Apostle Paul wrote, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And in so doing, he became that link between us and God, that mediator that we mentioned at the top of the broadcast. This is Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us and reachable by phone at 650-873-4095. We continue this series tomorrow as Pastor Leighton Sheely imagines, among other things, a world without sin. If many thousands of years ago, whenever it happened, Adam and Eve had not made that decision, what would it be like if this world wasn't filled with disease and death and violence and war? What would it be like if we actually lived together in harmony as God designed it to be? Something important to ponder over the next 24 hours before we come back with the next edition of this broadcast. This entire series is on our website at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout, hoping you can join us at this same time tomorrow as we again study verse by verse.